0: Romans chapter 8 this morning, Romans chapter 8, and... Last month, we asked you to give us your favorite verse, the verse that brought you most comfort uh, on social media. A whole bunch of you responded, and we're going through those verses this month, and I am enjoying it. I am blessed by looking at the verses that touch your heart because, obviously, uh, they speak to all of us. Romans 8.28, though, is the one we're looking at today, Uh, and, and it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Uh, To those who are called according to his purpose, uh, that all things work together for good. It's a favorite thought for us, isn't it? All things work together for good. But all things means all things. And if you look in the context of Romans chapter 8, what it's talking about, is talking about the earth groaning. It's talking about the fact that this world's got trouble. It's got difficulties. It's got problems. But all things work together uh, for good. Uh, God takes and God uses all things together for good. And you and I don't get to choose whether we're going to have trouble or not. We're just going to have it. Trouble's part of life. Job said, <clears throat> Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. It's just the way of life. There's trouble, there's problems. That's just the way of life. There's, there, there's no escaping it. So you're going to have trouble. In a broken, sin-cursed world, you're going to have trouble. There's no way to avoid trouble. What you get to choose is you get to choose how you're going to handle the trouble that comes your way, what you're going to do with it. In fact, that becomes one of the key disciplines of living well is what you choose to do with the trouble that you face in your life. How are you going to deal with it? All of us have trouble. All of us have difficulties. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to deal with it? Uh, You can get resentful, you can get full of self-pity, you can get angry, you can fall apart, you can get bitter. Often those are the choices that people make as far as trouble is concerned. But you know, responding in a wrong way only makes the trouble worse. When you respond the wrong way to the trouble, it only makes the trouble worse. I read about a woman who, uh, who when her husband was found to have a problem with pornography, she decided if he could have an addiction, uh, she could have an addiction too, and so she went on a spending spree and ran up all the credit cards uh, she could find and created death. Now, <clears throat> that may have made her feel better in the moment, but you know what her response to the trouble did? It just made the trouble worse. Now, she had two problems. She had the debt. And she had the problem with her husband's pornography as well. So, you know, how you deal with the trouble is going to have a huge impact on your life and how you live and how well you live. Bible says in Romans chapter 12, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So you and I have a choice. Either we're going to let trouble overcome us. We're going to let the problems rain in on us and overcome us, and we're going to succumb to them. We're going to get angry, bitter, resentful, uh, fall apart, or, or we're going to overcome evil with good. And you see, Romans eight twenty eight is a key verse in helping us get our heads around that. Do you know <clears throat> that <clears throat> um, all of life is in your head? You know, saying hi, I'm in a minute, pastor. That's not true. I've got troubles and they're real. Yeah, I understand the troubles are real. But do you realize that the troubles are not as big a problem as you feel they are? What's really making your problem worse is the fact that you're responding wrongly to the troubles. You see, you and I know what it is to be happy. On those occasions in life, when everything is going your way, and everything is looking good, and everything is rosy, you know, I can be happy. Because everything's going my way. But do you realize that joy is different to happiness? Let me give you a definition I've read of of joy. Scriptural joy is the enjoyment and delight that comes from greater intimacy with God himself in the midst of sorrow and trouble. It's not about the happenings in your life. It's about you enjoying God more in the midst of the trouble and the difficulty in your life. It's about you coming to the place where you're actually enjoying God, you're walking with God. Uh, You come to a place where where there is joy in your heart, even though you've got trouble. Does that sound impossible? It's not. It's actually very possible. There are some things that you need to kind of click into place in your head in order for that uh, to become the reality of your life. Let me me give you three thoughts that we're going to look at today and will be a help to us. First of all, God is in the trouble. The trouble that you're facing today, God is in the trouble. What we want to do is we want to focus on people. We want to focus on the things that have happened the circumstances of the situation. We want to focus on those things, and, and we want to get mad, angry, and bitter against those things. And we want to put God out of it because it doesn't suit us to have God in the situation. We, we want to be able to get angry with someone or something. But God says, now, all things work together for good. I'm in this situation. I'm, I'm, I'm in the difficulty in your, I'm in your problem. I remember uh, somebody that I respected uh, said this. uh, uh, Something dreadful had happened in their life uh, and in their ministry, and it was just awful. And I remember so clearly him saying, he said this. He said, God had nothing to do with that. That was all the devil. Now, do you realize the problem with that? Do you realize that that that, that relegates God to some kind of a, uh, you know, at best an equal with Satan? God is not an equal with Satan. God is God. He rules in every affair of man. The Bible tells us that he is sovereign. He rules. He is God. Satan's a created being, just like you and I are. I say, yes, he's got more power. But there's no way that he, in any way, approaches to the power of God. And God can squash anything Satan is doing anytime he likes. And he does. He says, no, not doing that. Remember what Job? Satan tempted God, <clears throat> went after God to try and crush Job, and, and God said, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, you, you, you can go after him, but you cannot take his life. And Satan couldn't do that. Satan could only do what God let him do. So nothing is happening in your life that Satan went after you and Satan accomplished. Anything that happens in your life, what God has done is God has said, you know what, Th- that'll be good for you. And God allows it into your life. Somebody said that that it's like God takes and examines the things that are coming our way, and he he says, "Hmm, that'll be good for you. And he lets it in. Now, that allows you and I to take our focus off the circumstance, off the person, and put it onto God. Because God's doing something good in your trouble. God is in the trouble. God is doing something good in the trouble. And then God is doing something good to benefit you and others in the trouble. Maybe many others. Let me give you an illustration of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was uh, preaching the gospel in the book of Philippians, and <clears throat> he had been preaching the gospel, and he was thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. Now, that's nasty, isn't it? Here's the guy, he's doing his best, he's serving the Lord, uh, he's doing what he was called to do. Don't you think that God should just give him a, <clears throat> give him a free card, and he should walk through because he's, he's one of the good guys? In fact, you know what? He's probably the, the best guy. <clears throat> but he doesn't, he gets captured. Gets taken into prison. He's put in prison. He's shackled to a Roman guard here. He's shackled to a Roman guard there. Now, look, folks, I don't know about being that close to people, but that's, that's what it says. He, 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 was, he was shackled to the Roman guards. Uh, they were keeping an eye on him. Uh, he was in trouble. Uh, he was there all the time. And he writes the book of Philippians. And the book of Philippians is all about woe is me. It's a hard situation. I can't believe God did this to me. No, the book of Philippians has a theme, and the theme is joy. Paul, what is going on here? How can you have joy in this situation? How can you rejoice in this situation? And he goes on to explain in chapter 1, it's what you're reading, by the way, but in chapter 1, he talks about his greatest frustration is the fact that he can't preach the gospel because he's in prison. So you know what he does? He starts looking around and he begins to understand, hang on a minute, this guy on my right side, I'm going to preach the gospel to him. This guy on my left side, I'm going to preach the gospel to him. And they keep changing the guards and he keeps preaching the gospel. And so what he says is that, that the gospel is going forth in the prison. And then he says... Other Christians are emboldened to preach because Paul's there and Paul's preaching and they're preaching the gospel too. And and then he says, no, other people are just trying to have a go at me. They're trying to make things worse and they're talking about this Jesus guy and what he did and so on. But you know what? The gospel is getting preached. And so Paul is saying, you know what? Whatever happens, God is getting glorified so the gospel is getting preached and Paul has joy. Do you know that your goal is going to determine whether you have joy or not? If your goal is to be happy, and humanly speaking, that's every one of our goals. I want to be happy. I want everything to go well. You know, I don't want problems in my life. I don't want things to go wrong. I don't want sickness. I don't want money issues. I don't want relationship issues. I just want a nice, easy life. Humanly speaking, but if that's my only goal. Then, you know, every problem that comes my way is just going to be a disturbance of my happiness. And I'm going to resent every problem. I'm going to resent every difficulty. But if, like Paul, you come to the place where your goal is the glory of God, then that changes everything. That changes everything completely. If your goal is the glory of God, then everything gets changed. Everything gets turned around and and becomes different. Your goal determines your joy. It's kind of like this. If you want to go to Cork, right? You go out there, you go on the M50, you go to the M1, and you head towards Belfast, right? How long are you going to, How long is it going to take you to get to Cork if you go that direction? You're never getting there. You're going in the wrong direction. You're just not getting there. That that, that that's impossible. If you want to go to Cork, you're going to have to get out, get on, uh, get on some train, bus, or or a road that's going south because your goal is Cork. All right. If your goal is your happiness, you're never going to come to the place of joy. If your goal is the glory of God, you know what you're going to find? Two things. First of all, you're going to find that God is pleased. And when God is pleased, everything's right with the world. Second thing you're going to find is that when you work alongside God, when you cooperate with what God is trying to do in your life, your life is good. It doesn't mean you won't have problems. It doesn't mean you won't have tears, but life is good because you're cooperating with what God is doing in your life. So you gotta come to the place where you recognize, now hang on a minute, God is in my trouble. He's in it. It's not something that happened to me apart from God. No, God is in my trouble. He's in this difficulty, he's in this problem, and he's able to help me with it. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, would you bless us as we look to your word. Uh, Would you draw us into it and help us, Lord, uh, to see you in our troubles and help us to grow deeper with you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, so point number one, God is in your trouble, Romans 8, 28. Um, You are a person of destiny. Philippians 1, uh, verse 6 says this. It says, he that hath begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, here's you and I, right? We just want to be happy. This week it's September uh, 2019, and we like a happy month. We like just things to go well. No financial problems. No health problems. No, no, um, uh, you, uh, you know, relationship problems. We just like everything to be sweet and nice and happy. Right? And, and, and really, we don't care about next month because you know what? We might never see October. So we just want this month to be happy. But God does care about next month, and He cares about next month, next year, and the year after that. And he cares about you a million years from now, and he's preparing you for them. So God is at work in your life, and he started a work, and he's not going to quit doing that work until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to to use this time. He looks at your life, and and he he sees this precious time, this three score and ten, this 70 years, to make all he can make of you for eternity. You're a person of destiny. He's, he's got a plan in mind for you. He's, he's working things out in your life, and he's going to make you like the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's going to do everything he possibly can to achieve that purpose in your life. He's in the trouble. The trouble didn't just happen. He's in the trouble. He's working in the trouble. He was in Paul's trouble in the prison. Paul got to realize that. He was in Joseph's trouble. By the way, if you haven't read Joseph recently, great for you, Pastor, for you to read Uh, Genesis 37 through 50. You could read it this afternoon. Uh, We'll make a great Sunday afternoon for you. And uh, read about the story of Joseph. It's a wonderful, uh, gripping story. Uh, But Joseph was taken by his brothers, they hated him. He was dad's favorite. Dad made him a coat of many colors. You, you, you've heard about that. <clears throat> and um, uh, his brothers hate him. They couldn't speak peaceably. And they go, oh, here he comes again. <clears throat> and so the father sends Joseph out to check on them when they're out herding the sheep. And, and they say, here he comes. Let's get rid of him. Let's deal with our problem. Let's kill him. So what they do is they take and they throw him into a, a pit while they have their lunch. And Joseph's down in the pit. Hurting, I'm sure. uh, Not believing how how mean his brothers are being to him. They're they're, they're up the top of the pit uh, talking over lunch and they're talking about how they're going to kill him. How'd that make you feel? I know you've had some bad things happen to you. That's pretty high on the scale of bad things that can happen to somebody. Well, it gets worse. Somebody has a right idea. Let's not kill him. There's no money in that. Let's sell him. Here's a band of slave traders coming along. Let's sell him as a slave. Hey, listen, we can have some money in our pocket. I mean, as callous as it was to kill him, that's almost worse. They really don't care about us, so they sell him as a slave. And he's taken and he's bought by Potiphar. And in Potiphar's house, we find this about Joseph, that God was with Joseph. And so everything Joseph put his hand to was blessed. And Potiphar got to know it. He said, hang on a minute, this guy has got the blessing of God on his life. And Potiphar keeps giving him more and more control till, he, till, David, till Joseph's in control of everything in Potiphar's house. Potiphar doesn't even know what's going on. He's trusted it all to Joseph. Well, then a test comes Joseph's way. And the test is a woman, Potiphar's wife. She decides, you know, he's a good-looking guy. And I'm kind of bored. And whatever else reason she has, anyway, she wants to sleep with Joseph. And <clears throat> Joseph keeps avoiding and keeps avoiding and keeps avoiding one day uh, she is so intense uh, that Joseph uh, she grabs his coat and Joseph drops his coat and just runs out of the house he's not doing this wickedness against God uh, and against his master there's no way listen great Joseph listen we admire you but you know what happens she accuses him of attempting to rape her and so when her husband comes home he has Joseph cast in prison that's it, isn't it? Okay, yeah, I got put in the pit and I, and I dealt well with that. I, I got sold as a slave and I dealt well with that. But, but this is just too much. Here I am. I'm doing the right thing. I actually pass the test and I get cast in prison. That's the end of it, isn't it? That's, then, now, now I have the right to be full of self-pity. I have the right to be bitter and angry. Let me tell you how bad my life has been. He could have done that. We'd never have heard of him. We, Joseph, his name would have been buried somewhere in the prison, in the annals of a prison, and we'd never have heard of him. But he doesn't. How do we know he doesn't? Because he goes to the prison, and the hand of God is upon him in the prison. God's hand is on him in the prison. So that the, uh, the keeper of the prison says, hey, listen, Joseph handled the whole thing. Now listen, I don't want to go in a pit, and I don't want to be a slave, and I don't want to go to prison, but I have to go in a pit Be a slave or be in prison. I want God with me, don't you? I want to know his presence in those situations. And and, and you can have them. Joseph did. Joseph had God's hand upon him in those situations. You see, because somehow, somehow Joseph knew, God is in this trouble. I don't know what he's doing in this trouble. It's a long time. But God is in this trouble. And Joseph, instead of being a victim, was a victor. And in the end, he ends up in the palace, second in command to the land. He interprets a dream for Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, Here, have my ring. There's nobody like you in the place. So I tell you what, why don't you run the show and you look after this, this famine and take care of it all? And Joseph ends up in the palace. Why? Because somehow Joseph laid hold of the fact that God is in the trouble. God is in the trouble. God's always in the trouble. You're, you're, you're never getting trouble that, that, that God is not in. Second thing is this God is doing something good in your trouble. All things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did for no, that's you. He knew you were going to get saved. Do you know that? You know, you think you got saved because you made a decision one time, and on your part, that's true, but you know, on God's part, he knew you were going to get saved before the beginning of time. It's all planned. God, God's god got big plans, and God doesn't, and time doesn't affect God. He He lives outside of time. And so he could look forward and see the fact that you were going to uh, get saved. He, he He foreknew you were going to get saved, and, and when he foreknew you were going to get saved, he predestinated you. That's a big word. It means that, he purposed for you. He planned for you. He had a goal for you. So here you have the God of creation has been planning something for your life since before the foundations of time. And the Bible says he's going to continue on doing it until the day of Jesus Christ. He predestinates you to, to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. He didn't predestinate you to be wealthy. He didn't predestinate you to be healthy. He didn't predestinate any of those things. He predestinated you to be made like his son. He wants to make you like Jesus. You see, here's what happened. When you got saved, immediately you had the righteousness of Jesus. When you step into the presence of God, you're going to look exactly like Jesus. In the meantime... He's going to do as much as you will let him do to make you like Jesus. He's going to work in your life to make you like Jesus. And I am so sorry to tell you this, but if you didn't know this before now, trouble is the chisel he's going to use in your life. Trouble is the way God makes us like Jesus. So what you're going to do, what you're going to understand is that he's in my trouble. He's doing something good in the trouble. He's making me like Jesus. Now, you see, you say, well, why do I have to get my head around that anyway? It, here's the reason why, right? God's going to do a work in your life whether you like it or not. You get to choose whether you're going to cooperate with him or whether you're going to fight him. A lot of people fight him. A lot of Christians fight This is not fair. Why did I allow this to happen to me? Uh, You know, uh, this and this and this has happened. and You know, I know people, and they, they, they can take you from their childhood all through their life, and this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And the expected response is, oh, you poor thing. That's dreadful. People have treated you awful. And they've missed the fact God was Working. And your bitterness is resisting God and getting in his way and hindering from him from making you like Jesus. Do you really think that anyone was allowed to do anything in your life that God couldn't stop? What kind of a God do you serve? Is it a God that sits in heaven and says, oh, I can't believe that's happening to that poor person. Oh, poor Dave, I can't believe that. Is that honestly your picture of God? Is your picture of God somebody that, that Satan's strong arms and, and, he, and he does it anyway even though God doesn't want him to do it? Is your picture of God even smaller? Is it people do things and God has no control over it? Listen, your God controls everything that happens. Nothing happens apart from him. And he says all things work together for good. The question is: Are you going to believe the Bible and let God have His way, or are you going to ignore the Scripture, minimize God, and effectively live like there is no God? You say that's very hard, Pastor. That's the reality of what we do. We get bitter and bent out of shape. We don't allow for the fact that God is at work in our lives. We end up. We end up making the problems worse. That's what we do. We, we compound our problems. We make them worse. Has, has bitterness ever helped you? Once. Has it ever made your life better? Never. It's always made it worse, isn't it? Now, you had no option, had you? you? had to get better. No, you made a choice. Your choice was, either I'm going to see God is in my trouble And he's doing something good in my trouble. I'm going to kick him out of the picture altogether. And I'm going to focus on these people that did me wrong. And I'm going to get bitter because that's not fair. And why did that happen to me? And the rest of the story, you know, it's like a broken record in your head. Listen, God says he's in your trouble. He's doing something good in your trouble. Number three, God is doing something good to benefit you and others, perhaps many others in your trouble. Let's finish off the story of Joseph. So Joseph uh, is made uh, second in command to Pharaoh. He gets a wife. He gets a house. He gets a great life. You know, he saves up all the all all all, all the all the corn during the during the famine. And he just built, they, they, they get so much corn and so much that they just stop counting because there's no point in counting. It's too much to count, right? The, the land is awash in food for seven years. And then the famine comes and there's nothing, absolutely nothing. So first year, Joseph, Joseph sells the corn to the people of Egypt. And then he buys all their cattle and then he buys their land and he buys everything for Pharaoh. Very clever plan. But you know what Joseph notices one day? He's sitting there, seconding a man to the king, in charge of everything, and he notices these ten guys walking up the avenue. And he says, They look familiar. And so he keeps a close eye on them as they come up and he says, Yep, that's my brothers. That's the brothers that sold me into slavery. I've got them now. I've waited a long time for this. This is going to be a sweet moment when I get my revenge on them. Not for a moment. Not for a moment. They come up, and there's a whole story that goes with it. You need to read it. We don't have time to deal with it all. There's, there's a whole story that goes with it. And, but finally, he reveals himself to them. Uh, he He sends for his father. His father comes down, the nation of Israel, 70 people at this time, and he takes care of them. And he looks after them. And <clears throat> he treats them well, gives them the best of the land, and they're fed during the famine. And we know the nation of Israel is going to spend 40 years there and they're going to come out two and a half million strong. It's kind of a greenhouse for raising a nation on God's part, right? But when dad dies, there's a big to-do in the land and they bury dad and then the boys say, oh no. This is the moment he's been waiting for because they knew themselves. They didn't know Joseph, but they knew themselves. And they thought, you know what he did? He didn't do anything to us when dad was alive because he was afraid of dad. But dad's gone now We have no protection. And so they come to him in fear and trembling. And they say, now dad said you were to treat us right. And Joseph looks at them and he says to them, what? Dad says you weren't to hurt us. You weren't to even the score. And Joseph says, what? Am I in the place of God? Am I, am I the one that's going to take revenge on you? Because the Bible says that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay." And David and Joseph knew that about God. He says, "I'm not. no way. I'm not God. I'm not in the place of God. But look at verse 20. <clears throat> "But as for you, ye thought evil against me. Do you know what his brothers did to Joseph was evil? It was wicked, it was mean, it was savage, it was low. You can take all the adjectives you like that are negative and throw it at it because there's no way of justifying it. Joseph doesn't try and justify it. Joseph doesn't try and whitewash it. Joseph doesn't try and make it okay because it wasn't okay. There was nothing okay about it. Their hearts towards him were bad. And he knew, do you know that people will do bad stuff to you? People will treat you wrong. People will take advantage of you. People will hurt you. People will slice you and dice you. That's going to happen. As for you, ye thought evil against me. Sometimes people are going to think evil against you. And they're going to do it. But look what else. Look at the counterbalance to it. Look what Joseph says. But God meant it unto good. Joseph doesn't say, you know, you did me wrong. But God wasn't in it. No, he says, but God was in it. And God was doing something good. In it. Do you know that God's always in it? And God's always doing something good in it. Always. Your trouble is not just because somebody else was mean, vicious, and horrible. Your trouble is because God is making you like Jesus, and you've got to get your head around that, or it'll sink you completely. Nothing happens in your life apart from God. In fact, Joseph goes on to say, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. You know what God did? When Joseph was thrown in the pit, God had a plan, and he just worked it into the plan. And when, <clears throat> when they decided not to, not to uh, kill Joseph but to sell him, God was in that plan, too, because God didn't want Joseph dead, because God had a plan. And when Joseph was sold to Pharaoh, God was in it, and he had a plan. Sold to Potiphar, God was in it, and he had a plan. When Potiphar's wife was so rotten, God was in it, and he had a plan. When Joseph was forgotten in the prison. God was in it, and he had a plan. God was in it all the time. He was working out a plan. Now, what was the plan? Well, I realize it's Old Testament, and I realize it doesn't fit as clearly uh, as this. He was making Joseph like Jesus. That's the first thing. You know the second thing he was doing? He was planning... To save two nations from extinction. Egypt would have been wiped out by the seven years of famine. It would have just been gone. There was no way. I mean you can't you can't just produce food out of nowhere. But he also had a plan this people Israel, this people Israel that are so precious to him, this people Israel that are the apple of his eye, that are his nation, that are him raising up a people to, to, to bring a Messiah to the world to save all of us, he has a plan. And Joseph's part of that plan. And Joseph getting sold and Joseph getting put in prison is all part of that plan. God's working something out in Joseph. And God's working something out for nations in the trouble. Do you know that God is in your trouble? That God loves you and he has a plan for your life and anything he allows into your life, he allows for your good. Nothing happens in your life or in my life that is not for good. Nothing. All things work together for good. You have to believe that. You can't live a victorious Christian life and not believe that truth. If you in your heart think somebody did you wrong and it's not fair and you want to get even with them and you, 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 you just keep rehearsing it in your mind and going over it and over it and over it again, you're never going to live a victorious Christian life. Because you know what's wrong with you? You've got God that's this big if he exists at all. God is in your trouble. It didn't happen. It wasn't mean people. God allowed it, and he loves you too much to hurt you for no good. I realize that's a big swallow. I realize that's, 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 that's a hard thing for you to kind of take on board and say, okay, I believe that's true. I believe that's real. Now, it's easy when you get a raise to think God's in it, isn't it? It's easy when the doctor says, all clear, no problems. You're all clear. That's easy to see God is in it. But God is in my trouble when I get fired. God is in my trouble when the doctor says, I'm terribly sorry to tell you this, but you've got cancer. God is is in your trouble then. Yeah. He's in your trouble then. He wouldn't let it happen to you if it wasn't for your good. You see, God loves you. Basic to our faith is <clears throat> he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So everything God allows in my life is good. <clears throat> listen, it didn't happen this way and I understand why it didn't happen this way. <clears throat> but you know that Joseph could have walked up to his brothers and shake their, shaken their hands and said to them, listen, thank you for being the instrument of God in my life. Because They were. Do you know that you could walk up to those people that have hurt you and you could say thank you for being God's instrument in my life because they are in spite of the fact that it hurts in spite of the fact that there's tears in spite of the fact that there's pain the Bible says that we're to rejoice in all things that we're to give thanks in all things now listen I want to give thanks for happy things so do you But you know what? God gives us troubles. And when we understand our God and the way he works and the long-term plan he has for us and the way he loves us, we can come to the place where we can give thanks for the hard things too because they're just as important. They're just as important as the good things. See, the attitude through which you approach your troubles is going to be the deciding factor, not just in your troubles, but in your life, right? <clears throat> Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You're supposed to keep your heart. You're supposed to keep what's going on in your thinking. You're supposed to take your thinking and control your thinking, and you're supposed to think right. You're supposed to think God is in the troubles. God is doing something good in the troubles. God is doing something good. that I can't see how big the good he's doing in it. You're supposed to bring yourself, <clears throat> your thinking under control. You see, if you allow the troubles of your life to make you bitter, angry, resentful, and self-pitying, you're going to poison your life at its source, your heart. Because out of your heart comes your life. Out of your heart, out of your thinking, comes your life. And if you allow the hard things, the troubles of life, to just make you better. You're going to poison your own life. We have a well up at our house. right? And the well is 123 feet down. And uh, the well brings water to our house. Brings water to Willie um, and Lizzie's house. Brings water to Ori's cabin. Brings water to Granny's house. Everybody gets water out of the well. Kind of the, the you know, the life of our home... You might say it comes from that well. Let's say I get myself, <clears throat> you know, five liters of Roundup. That's a pretty potent weed killer. And I pour that into the well. You'd say, Pastor, that is daft. You're going to make people sick, maybe kill people. In fact, it's not just daft, it's criminal. Because you're, you're going to hurt people by doing that. That's gonna that's poison people. That's gonna spread through the water and spread all over your family. And and and, and you know, and it's it, it's it's going to it's going to kill people. Pastor, that's that's ridiculous. You shouldn't be doing that. Damn, that's exactly what you do when you get bitter. You poison your life at its source. And it spreads into everything about you. And just as daft Ridiculous as it would be for me to put um, <clears throat> poison down the well, you get bitter and that's what you're doing. you got to forsake bitterness. You can't be bitter. It'll spread. It'll affect everything and everybody. You can't be bitter. So what are you going to do? God's in my trouble. You know, it didn't happen. God's in it. God's doing something good in my trouble. He's doing something good that's going to help me and maybe many other people in my trouble. The trouble is not my enemy. The trouble is my friend. It may have been perpetrated by my enemy. But it got filtered through the hand of a loving God and it became my friend. It became something that's going to help me. God has mixed it all up together and made it into a cake that's good. Here the Apostle Paul, on another occasion, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, talks about the thorn in the flesh. Trouble. We don't know what it was, but it was Trouble. It was trouble enough for the Apostle Paul, who had healed people, brought people back to life, given people their sight, uh, to come to God and say, Lord, would you just take this trouble away? And three times he asked, and three times he didn't get it. Finally, God said to him, Paul, I'm not taking it away. I put it there, Paul. Paul, I, I, I put it there because my strength is made Perfect in your weakness. Paul, you're a strong man. You, you, you know a lot. You've got tremendous ability. And Paul, I, I put this in the picture because I knew you'd get proud. I put it in the picture to help you to be weak so I can be strong. And Paul didn't do what many of us would do. Well, that's not fair. Here I am serving you. I'm doing everything I can. I mean, is this, is this the thanks I get for, for risking my life for you preaching the gospel? One little problem, just one little problem, and you won't even take that away from me. No, he doesn't know what he says. Oh, now I get it. Oh, oh I understand now. So I didn't understand. You I mean, you put it there. so that you could be strong and I could be weak. Well, listen, Dan, if that's the case, if that's what you're doing, then I'm rejoicing in it. Thank you for my thorn. You won't hear another complaint about the thorn from me. I'm glad it's there because the thorn you've put in my life is going to make me strong. It's going to make me strong because I lean on you and not me. Has God put a difficulty in your life today that you're chafing with? It's got to put a problem in your life, a, a, a person in your life, a situation in your life, a, a, a physical issue in your life. It's got to put a problem in your life that you're chafing with. It's not fair. You're, you're, you you kind of go into bitterness and you, and you come out of it maybe, and you go into bitterness and you come out of it. Or maybe you've just given up and you've just kind of resigned yourself to bitterness. Because it's not fair. Listen, you're going to poison your life at its source if you go with it. Do you know what you need to do? You need to say, Father, forgive me. You're God and I'm not. And if you choose to let this difficulty in my life, you have a purpose for it. And Lord, you're in my trouble. And Lord, you're doing something good in my trouble. I can't see it, but I know it because you're a good God. And Lord... It's probably much bigger than I can imagine. It's probably something good that's gonna help me and many other people. Lord, I accept the trouble from your hand, and I'm not gonna be bitter, I'm not gonna fight you, I'm not gonna go against you on it. And you know if you and I can do that in our lives? If you and I can learn to live like that, if we can learn to, to accept the trouble from God and the blessing from God with the same heart, do you know what? We can live victorious lives We can overcome evil with good and not be overcome of evil. You see, you don't have a choice whether you're going to have trouble or not. You do have a choice how you're going to respond to the trouble. Either you're going to respond to the trouble like there's no God, and it's not fair, and it's all on you, or you're going to recognize God is in the trouble, God is doing something good in the trouble, And God is doing something good for more people than I can imagine in the trouble. And when you buy into that, when you swallow that truth, when you come to the place where you take that on board, you're no longer resisting God. You're cooperating with God. And what you're going to find is that you enjoy His presence. And you enjoy intimacy with Him in the midst of the trouble. And you'll get to be thankful for the trouble. It's all in your attitude to what God is doing in your life. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, would you bless us? Lord, we're a weak people, we're a feeble people, and Lord, it's so easy for us to get blindsided by the enemy and to, uh, Lord, begin to look at life like you're not there and you're not in our difficulties and you're not in the problems. Lord, would you help us today? Would you bless your people? or would you draw us into that place where we sweetly look to you? And, Lord, troubles are pain. But, Lord, if you're in them, oh, Lord, the pain is not half so bad. Lord, would you help us? Help that person, Lord, that's put you out because they're bitter to repent and turn around to you to do today and to let you back in. Help that person that's going back and forth, Lord, and fighting and wrestling with it to, to accept it as from your hand, Lord. And help all of us, Lord, uh, to live in that place where we don't get bitter. uh, Because we've got you and we've got more than we deserve. Lord, would you bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.